Hi, everybody, and welcome back for another installment of our Inspired Jewish Women weekly podcast. Today, I have a very dear friend of mine, Bacheva Gans, coming to us from Boca Raton. Hi, Bacheva. Hello. So nice to see you. I know. It's been such a long time. Definitely. Bacheva and I go way back. We were like the rabble-rousing teenagers, little click, intimidating posse in high school. And it's been a really, really long time. And our paths have taken us in different directions. And I don't know about you, but every now and then I try to connect and remind myself who I am and where I come from. And I think it's very nourishing and important to kind of know who you are and know what built you. And I think those years that we had together you know, kind of put me on a direction, an amazing direction. For sure. And it's extra interesting. I think it's coming up to the surface more for me now that my kids are the age that we were when we met. So experiencing their childhood and then remembering what it was like for me to be in high school and for me to be that age and those social dynamics and the home dynamics and all of those things that played into that's really when you start to become a person, you individuate at that age and That's when you, you know, like we started driving and that was when we broke away from our home base in a way. I guess at this point, we really grow into ourselves and accept and integrate just everything that has brought us to this point. That's an amazing segue to to what I want to talk about today is that what does it mean to be an adult? And there's actually this concept called reparenting ourselves. And to really reparent ourselves and to really step into adulthood is actually to acknowledge the inner child or children that are still within us. Mm-hmm. And that is this reparenting concept of we always carry those parts of ourselves within us. Those are the voices that are telling you to do things or not do things. The things that we do that are emotion-based, that are driven by emotions, urges, desires, that is dictated. Sometimes it actually feels like a little dictator by our inner children. And we can spend our whole lives fighting between the two voices of your adult self and your child self. That's where all the conflict comes in. That's anxiety, depression, sadness comes in from being torn between these two. I know this is the right thing to do, but I really feel like I want to do this. And this reparenting concept is acknowledging those two parts, integrating them back together so you can be a parent to yourself. This concept of loving discipline, compassionate discipline, of listening And also setting some type of limits and boundaries of, okay, I hear what you're saying, but this is where, this is the path we're headed. This is, these are the boundaries and limits around how we're going to structure our, our lives. It's really this concept of almost these multiple parts within. Wow. I love it. I'm excited for this conversation. Let me just give a little bit of an introduction to who you are before we get started, just to give you a little validity over here. Like she actually knows what she's speaking about guys. (laughs) So Bacheva is an expressive arts therapist and parenting coach with a private practice in Boca Raton. She specializes in post-divorce recovery, parenting, and creative expression, and uses a variety of modalities to encourage self-reparenting and mindful parenting. She spends most of her time feeding her three children and dreaming about dancing. I think that's what we really connected on in high school. And yeah. Let's start this conversation. So I talked a little bit about the reparenting and that's really the foundation of most of the work that I do is coming back to this concept of reparenting. And because we have this kind of misguided notion that as we age, we just get older and leave behind those parts of ourselves. We are born with certain needs. 
And when those needs aren't met as children, we get stuck at that place. And we are always trying to get those needs met. You can be 90 years old and you're trying to get a need met that got stuck when you were six or seven years old. And that is when all of these coping behaviors happen, when people have a tendency to procrastinate or to eat too much or to work too hard. Those are all coping cover-ups to really what the basic need is inside. And I love this approach because it takes, first of all, a very accountable approach to your own behavior. It's not somebody else's fault. You're not the victim. You are just listening to yourself and what you really need. And you're listening to actually what you really need. Most of us don't actually know what we really need. And we expect and hope that the people in our lives will figure it out and let us know. So if you're married, it's like, you figure out what I need and you give it to me. And then when your partner doesn't give you what you need, because you don't know, and they certainly don't know because they can't read your mind then you have all of this conflict within a marriage because you're not getting your needs met because you don't know what they are. Wow. I just want to jump in here. I had this very powerful conversation with one of my rabbis, Rabbi Yitzchak Berkowitz. This is going back maybe two, three years ago. And I met with him and we were talking about our generation and what we're seeing in the world. And he said, people are very numb. We're not feeling anything. We don't want to feel pain. So we numb all of our emotions and then we don't feel joy. So when you're saying like, what do we need? And do we even know the truth is many people don't know. I guess we're leaning on all of those mechanisms to pull us through and we're not thinking, we're not feeling, and we're not living, we're not experiencing joy. So I think a lot of what you do is like bring the mojo back into your life. Like, what do you need? What will make you happy? What will make you thrive? That's such a good point because it's two directions to go and it's what will make me happy? What am I trying to achieve? And on the other side, it's equally important to see what am I trying to avoid? Why am I avoiding these feelings? And really it's, we spend our lives trying to stay safe and trying to survive and not be in pain. We don't want to be scared and we don't want to be hurt. So if we don't learn as children that our feelings are valid and learn how to deal with them effectively, honor them, and then choose our behavior and our action, we just cover up those feelings of fear and pain. I don't want to feel fear. So I'm going to be angry. And if I'm angry, then I'm projecting and I don't have to actually go inside and feel like, why am I so angry? Am I actually scared? Is something being threatened here? Because anger usually is the tip of the iceberg. And you're usually, there usually is hurt beneath the anger because something is being threatened. So it's that, I don't even know if refusal is the right word, but that inability to actually sit in that space of pain and fear. And I say that feelings are like children. You know, when you have a child and they're trying to get your attention and they're like, mom, 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 or Ema, 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 Ema. And then you're like doing a million things. And then finally you look at them and you're like, what? And they're like, oh, nothing. They didn't have anything to say. They just needed your attention. And they would do it nonstop until you turned and focused. Feelings are like that, where they just need your attention. And the more we ignore, the more we cover them up, the more we bury them under other coping skills, the more they're going to resurface and try and get your attention in whatever way possible. So it might be sitting in the pain for a little bit, sitting in the fear and acknowledging it. But once there's acknowledgement, that's when release can happen. And then you can move towards the joy and the mojo. That's what we're going to talk about today is how to access your inner mojo and your superpowers, your super you. You know, it reminds me of, I had, let's say four epidurals and two non-epidurals. And the birth experience is so different. The last one, it was an induction. It was really, really hard. You know, I'm high risk pregnancies, this and that, but and I really wanted to have a water birth. And if I got that epidural, I wouldn't be able to get into the water. 
So I like, I went through it without the epidural, like the zeroes, the induction without an epidural is like, it's off the charts hard, but being so present and having it the way that I really wanted it to be like to give birth in this water was just like, it was the highlight of my life. So I kind of feel like we could use that as a parable for life to go through life with an epidural. You're entirely right. It's this pain barrier where most people come to the pain barrier and they turn right back around into their comfort zone. Uh, No. And they do a U-turn. I'm going to stay here in my comfort zone. And the only way to the other side, to the goal, to the infinite possibility is through this pain barrier. You've got to go through it. Okay. Wow. This is so important, but it is so hard. And I could only imagine that people resist even this conversation. You know, people are listening right now. Are they able to actually take this into their life? When we see pain, we try to go around it. No one will want to walk into it. It's too hard. And we do need to buffer ourselves or give ourselves those mechanisms to help us cope. How do we just go through it with the rawness of the unknown? Well, the irony is that there's more pain happening anyway. Avoiding pain doesn't mean you're avoiding pain entirely. You're avoiding sitting in a specific type of pain. But if you are avoiding a pain barrier, there's likely many other things that are happening in your life that are unpleasant, Mm -hmm. causing you anxiety, depression, all of those other feelings that are really unpleasant and painful. And there are experiences that are painful as well. Your interactions with other people can be painful. It's a little bit of a lack of accountability and responsibility. Mm. And going through the pain barrier, first of all, a quick note, there's no such thing as a life without pain and challenge. And it's part of life. We need pain and challenge. We need to grow. We need to develop. And we do that through this metamorphosis process that happens with some degree of pain. And we come into this earth and we expect, why is this happening to me? Why do we think that we are going to live a life And I don't want to undermine the experience of what it is to really go through something painful. I acknowledge that, that there's extreme pain and trauma and tragedy. And I don't wish that on anyone and nobody should want that or expect it or wish it on anybody else. But we do, especially in like this Western society, have this expectation that life should be pain, worry free, all of these experiences. And then when things happen, why is this happening? You know, you can be angry at God. You can be angry at you. You can be angry at your parents, angry at your kids, angry at your partner, because we have this expectation that things should be effortless or, and pain-free. And that's just not how life is. There's a certain degree of pain that's in life. Yesterday, I sat with a friend of mine that just recently lost her son. And the pain is so tremendous. It's been two months, but it's just still so raw and the tears are flowing down her cheeks. I'm sitting with her and holding her in her grief. And she said something so interesting to me. She said, you know, Eve, I was never afraid of death. I was never afraid of much. But after going through this, I really have no fears. She wasn't always a very fearful person, but she said like whatever fear she had, like everything is gone because she'll never reach that threshold again of what she experienced. So in a way, when we kind of like accept whatever it is, like this is my situation, this is what I'm going through, it leaves space for moving forward in a way, in a positive, productive way that doesn't like hold us back with all the grief and trauma and pain that we live with. For sure. And that's a hard example. Losing a child is so, so difficult. Well, for the most part, when you can take an internal reflection on what your fear really is, you start to uncover some basic beliefs that you have that might not be true. So is the fear really real? Are you creating this fear for yourself? But a lot of these fears that we have, we create around these mistaken core beliefs that we have. 
I'm not worthy. I'm not capable. I'm not loved. And I'm not lovable. Really, it all comes back to those core beliefs that we mistakenly take when we're children. Mm, And that's such a simple thing. Just asking yourself, and then what? Like just taking yourself down that path. And you're like, okay, it's not so bad. Even the worst result is not so bad, right? Okay, so how do we get some more mojo back in our life? So switching gears a little bit. So my, I call it the four F's formula for finding your mojo. I'm really into alliteration. And as a quick background, the four basic needs that we all have as humans. So we're born into this world. We are trying to get these needs met. We have a need for significance. We want to feel important and like we're unique. We have something to contribute. We want to feel that we belong. We need connection. We want to feel safe and we need variety and change. We need some degree of excitement. And we are just constantly trying to get these needs met. When they're not met as children, then that's when we develop some coping skills to try and get them met. It's usually not the healthiest way to get them met. So for example, somebody who didn't get a lot of their need for significance met as a child might grow up with some narcissistic tendencies. So I am going to demand from people that they make me feel good about myself because that need wasn't met in the healthiest way. And a side note for parents listening, Parents are human. Parents come to the table with their own needs not met. It's almost impossible to meet all of your kids' needs. It's part of growing up. It's really about being aware, having open communication with your children, owning your mistakes, coming back and repairing the relationship with your child. There's no such thing as perfect parenting. There just isn't. We're human. They're human. And it's really that just self-awareness of what's going on and what's going on for your children. But I find it a very helpful tool. So that's the little background to the four basic needs. And so because we want to get those four needs met, we spend our lives trying to avoid the opposite. We avoid feeling insignificant. We avoid feeling lonely. We avoid feeling unsafe and we avoid boredom and stagnancy. So we're running away from those things. But I feel like in those four needs, there's some little secrets on how to really unleash your superpowers, your mojo, and how to just step into who you are. Do you work one-on-one with parents, clients? I work with all ages. I work with children and adults. I actually prefer to work with parents because for the most part, a behavioral issue in a child is really a behavior. I don't want to say issue, but something to look at in the parenting. There are many benefits for a child to be in therapy because they have someone that they can talk to that's outside of the family. It's a safe space to really share things that they might not feel comfortable sharing with the parents. But if it's a behavioral issue, I find it helpful to actually go to the source. What's going on? you know, what's going on in the family life. And I just find it very effective to work with parents. So the first thing we need to do is in the need in the area of significance is to embrace failure. We are running away from failure all the time because we want to feel good about ourselves. We want to feel significant. And we think that failure is bad. It's kind of similar to what we were talking about with pain. Failure is a part of the growth process. This is how we learn. It's this, okay, this one step forward, you know, two steps back, one step forward. It's we don't work in a trajectory of just upwards. We go, it's very hilly, up, down, up, down, up, down. And those failures are the most important part of how we develop. So as part of failure, you can start to notice what you're good at and what you're bad at. Failure helps you learn better about yourself. And we know our strengths through our failures, not in spite. So that's the first F. I'm going to ask you a question. What's your strength, Eve? I think people. People person? Yeah, people person, connecting with people, building people up. And that's so important for you to know, because imagine that you were you in a job that didn't let you connect and relate to people so much, you would be unhappy because you weren't recognizing what your strength is and what your core power is. Very often, 
I see myself retreating. Mm-hmm. I've been working on it and I've been pushing myself into scary situations. And I think I'm getting stronger in this area, but it's not simple. I don't know. And I want to kind of dig back now and say like, well, where is that need? And what was not filled in me, even maybe from my childhood that made me so afraid to fail? Well, that's the need for belonging. So the fear of failure is this, I won't be accepted if I fail. I find it so helpful to look at it from this limelight of, oh, it's a need. It's needs-based. And is that really true? That question is really important. Is that true? And what does it mean if people don't like me? Mm. And those are not easy questions because we have a desire. The next need is for belonging. We want to be part of something. We want to be accepted. We want to be in that. We need connection, which is what's so hard about Corona, that connection, that need for connection. When a child of mine comes and complains that someone said something not nice to him, I always say, well, is it true? Following the vein of what you're saying to your child, why do I give so much value to what other people say? Mm -hmm. If somebody walked over to me and said, the earth is flat, would I believe them? No, I would write it off. Okay, like we're just not on the same page. Why is it important then? So the next F, forgiveness. This is a big one. And this holds us back a lot because we get stuck in being angry and being hurt at other people. Doing a scan of your life and seeing really what you're still holding on to in terms of where you're having a hard time forgiving because that can hold us back. I don't know who said this quote, but I really like it. It's being angry at somebody is like trying to kill them and swallowing the poison yourself. And so forgiveness is actually a self-compassionate act. It's not really so much about the other person. It's about releasing yourself from this energy. It's like an energy tornado when you get caught up in not forgiving. And, but Shaba, I could only imagine that this really serves you well in your life and in your work, helping women that are divorced in not living with all the pain and the hurt and the grudges, but being able to forgive so that they themselves are free finally. Yeah. So I'm personally divorced myself. And this was something that I had to walk myself through. There's a lot of hurt and anger and pain that happen in a divorce. And I had to make a choice. And I know many divorced women or people or men who are 20, 30 years out and are still hanging on to their experiences from 20 years ago. They're still so angry. And that is also coming back to that pyramid, the iceberg of the anger on top is just covering up so much hurt that is on the foundation of that. Forgiving also requires a certain amount of accountability of what's my part in this? Where did I contribute to this? Instead of When we're angry, we blame, we become the victims and we lose our power when we become the victim. So why are we giving somebody else that power so often? You know, the more you hold on to the pain, they are continually in the process of hurting you. That's giving them a tremendous amount of power over your life. Why do they get that power? They're taking up real estate. Why? Why do we let that happen? Right. Rent free. (laughs) Rent free real estate in your emotional complex. (laughs) Okay. The next one we really talked about this already, but fear. And so embracing that fear, that pain barrier of understanding that to really get to the other side for real change, for real breakthrough is going through the pain and going through the other side. And visualization actually works for that. Visualizing yourself going through some type of structure, think about the color, think about the texture. What does it look like? Give a sense of being to your fear, which is beingless. It doesn't have a state. So create that in your mind and then visualize walking through it. And you're priming your brain actually to push yourself through. So when you're doing these, like the visualization, like getting through this pain barrier, 
Is it usually with a, your client like lying down on a couch? How are they able to attach themselves to that? First of all, everything nowadays is I'm only on telehealth. So everything is just through the computer. But there's either I'll do it in session, I'll do visualizations in session, or I'll say, here's your homework, go sit, go meditate, go do this for a few minutes and visualize. But are you ready? You're going to like the last F. The last F is super important. And it's fun. This is a big one. And we can spend some time here because as adults, we have this misguided notion that play and fun are for children and that we need to grow up. We need to be responsible. We need to just fun. We don't have time for fun. And fun is so important. It's actually a fundamental need. We need variety. We need excitement. We need play in our lives. So I would recommend to people, sit down, write a list of 10 things that you did as a child that brought you so much joy. Those moments in your life where almost time was suspended. What was so fun? Did you like to dance? Did you like to move? Did you like to play on the swing set? Did you like to listen to music? Did you like to color? What was it for you that really tapped into that sense of being alive? Play, first of all, is how we learn. So we learn through exploration. And play just takes away the judgment, all those voices inside. And it lets us be our true selves when we're just in a state, it's a state of bliss. And then the other part of that is how can you turn the things in your life into play? How can you turn chores and cleaning your house and parenting into a game? Life, here's the secret. Life is a game. That's it. We are in one of those games where, you know, you fail, you lose some coins, you have to come back, you have to find the route. We're just constantly like gamify your life, really gamify your life. And for parenting, this is amazing. I mean, it just changes everything of being in your car and then how to interact with your kids in a different way when there's traffic and you're frustrated and just looking for ways. I mean, I think it's really helpful with chores and maybe even make yourself a scorecard. And if you do, you know, if you hit all the check marks and then you can reward yourself with something at the end of the day or at the end of the week and posture, your posture will tell you that you are doing okay, that you've got this, that you can support yourself. We can use our body to our advantage. So use it. We have it. It's an amazing tool. We're just kind of like faking it till we make it, right? Like just throw yes. ourselves into the ring, into the way that we want the outcome to be. And eventually, hopefully, you know, our body will catch up. Our emotions will catch up with the place that we put ourselves into. I like it. Yeah. And what I like about all of these things is that it gives you control. You're not a victim to circumstances. You're not a victim to the way other people treat you. So amazing. And when you say mojo, what does that even mean? Energy, like your life force. I would say your superpower. What's your superpower? So mojo really is kind of energy. And it's hard as a parent, right? And in today's day and age, there's so much, we're so overwhelmed and exhausted and just so much going on. And it's hard to find that mojo, especially when you're a parent, because you play so many different roles and where do your needs get met in all of that? If you're married, you are in a relationship or if in a relationship and how to be a partner, how to be a wife, how to be a husband. And then, you know, you want to meet your kids' needs also. So where do you show up in all of that? Right. What was it like for you when you kind of rediscovered your fun? What was it like when you got on the dance floor? I mean, how long had it been? In all honesty, at the beginning, dancing was a very big distraction. I started, I found dancing when I was in the middle of the divorce. So it was such a good distraction. I was so stressed and had so much anxiety from the way things were going. And I would just go. And for that hour, it became very addictive. Like that hour was imagine being in pain all the time. And then there's one hour where it's like just gone. 
It's like when people have a headache and you take the medicine and then, oh, it just feels so good. And then it comes back. I couldn't wait for Thursday night. After a while, it, it changed. You know, as I worked through the pain and I did some of the work involved, it became so much fun for me of finding what was fun about it. And to me, what was fun about it was that there was depth in the experience. And I find that to be fun because to me, dancing represents a relationship. And building trust, trusting someone like to lead you, not, not to drop you. And you don't have to be divorced to find your fun. And we find it married. There's two parts to it. It's finding the fun for yourself and finding the fun in your relationship. What's very cool about the four needs is that they are in two sets of groups and they oppose each other. So the need for significant opposes the need to belong. Because if I'm significant, I'm different. If I belong, I'm part of a group, I'm the same. The need for safety is opposite for the need for change. Safety, things are the same. They're secure. I know I can trust. Change is disruption. It's something different. In a marriage, we battle those two, the need for safety. We want intimacy. We want trust, but we also want passion and excitement and change. And oftentimes what's really the one to go is the passion and fun and excitement. Recognizing that it's that balance and looking for how can you bring fun into your relationship? How can you bring more play? And it's a good thing and you need it. It needs to be there. It's a need and not getting too stuck in that safety mode. Wow. Bachava, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you because this is not something that you're just teaching and preaching. This is something that clearly you have done in your life and made it work for you. And I see it. I see your smiling, shining face and you look excited to be alive and excited to be doing this work and living your passions. So this was incredible. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for the opportunity. And if I can leave with any advice, it's just don't accept things at face value. Don't accept your behavior at face value. Don't accept your partners. Don't accept your children. Take a little bit to do some research, dig a little bit to see what's going on underneath because there's so much happening beneath the surface. And being compassionate, be compassionate to yourself. You're coming in from years of your own history and you're bringing that to the table. And what I'm going to walk away with is just like, keep getting back in the game. (laughs) I love the analogy of this game, that life is a game, make it fun. That's so huge. And it changes your mind state. Instead of feeling, oh, I'm so overwhelmed and just, we get so tired by the way we think about things. So just changing the way you think about things can change the way you actually feel. It's really funny. We have a lot of families on our street that go to the same school. And when I get in the car in the morning, my kids are always like, oh, mom, our neighbors didn't leave yet. Let's go. Let's get there before them. And I'm like, guys, I'm not speeding down to the road. Like, forget it. But there is this innocence of children that just want to have fun. Even carpool should just be a game. And I was always like poo-pooing that. Like, guys, let's just get there nice and safely. Like my whole life is like, let's just do the safe thing. I think I want to try to embrace that because I think I've been just in my safe lane of life and I forgot to play more. Yeah, it might be a little surprised when I tell them, we're going to get there before the speedbacks. Let's go. (laughs) Are you feeling okay? Should we take your temperature? (laughs) I was working out with a trainer and he had this thing. It's such a good example of how to do this. And it's a device that helps you plank better. I don't know if I can visually describe it, but it's basically this platform where you lean your arms on and you have to balance it. Wow. So it's, it's slightly elevated and it helps you stay in a plank position because you have to balance to make sure it doesn't tip over. But they made it a game. So you put your phone in the slot and you can like bowling, like, or you can like be flying a kite in the sky, or you have to keep the ball in the right direction. That is life. Like you can do a plank by yourself on a mat and it's going to be hard and painful, 
Or you can do a plank and you can be playing a game and you're accomplishing the same thing, but it's fun while you're doing it. It still hurts. Like it's still painful for your abs, but by faster, I'm sure. Yeah. And it's just, okay, this can be fun. This is, this is a great idea. Why don't we translate that to every other area in our life of that concept? It really does help you get through something hard. So I think we could adapt that to many areas of our life. This was great. Bashava, thank you so, so much. How could our listeners find you? So I'm very easy to find. I'm on Instagram. So my name is shortens shavaya.gans on Instagram. I do a lot of parenting tips on there. I had a series going for a while called Minute to Win It Parenting. That was a minute video of a parenting tip for the day. And it kind of went on hiatus in the summer when I had my kids and I'm like, I'm bringing it back soon. So hopefully it will come back soon, but it's just acknowledging people's time. People don't have time to watch a half an hour parenting video. So one good juicy tip for the day. So on Instagram and my website, shevagans.com. And I'll put your information in the comments when we put this out. And I'm proud to know you, Sheva. Thank you so much, Eve. And the same right back to you been amazing to watch what you've done in the past few years. It's really inspiring. It's funny when you talk about fear of the things that hold you back. In my mind, I'm like, what is she talking about? She is a go-getter. You come across as just someone who keeps going, keeps trying, keeps pushing the boundaries, keeps putting yourself out there. And so I see that other side of you. And I know we always have fear that holds us back to some degree, but you present and you really do seem like you're pushing the boundaries all the time, which is amazing. Thank you. I've learned a lot from you over the years. So We should continue to learn from each other. Awesome. Okay, have a great day. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. We value that you are a part of our community. Be sure to check out our other podcast episodes. And to learn more about the work that we do at Inspired Jewish Women, please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website at www.inspiredjewishwomen.com. Notice that we use the word woman and not woman in plural because Jewish women are most powerful when we bond together and we together can create amazing positive changes in the world. Bye for now. Hope to see you again soon so we could continue this conversation.